The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. Well, I have to tell you a little bit about myself. I love to run. Um, running is one of my passions. I used to coach. Uh, was never fast and getting slower by the year. Uh, but as I age, my body is breaking down and I can't run nearly as much as I want to anymore. So instead, I go to spin class. So if you don't know what spin class is, it's this room in a gymnasium with all these bikes, right? And all the bikes have just one wheel, but the one benefit is that you can't really easily fall over on this thing. But this bike goes nowhere, and there's a screen up in front of you, and it has like this moving video, picture of like the Alps or something like that. So you're pretending like you're biking through the Alps, even though you have all these sweaty people, smelly in the room together. And... It's, it's, it's kind of fun. There's loud music and there's an instructor up there yelling at you on her own bike and you have to wear earplugs because it's just kind of deafening. But it's fun. They encourage you and you get to exercise together and it doesn't hurt your legs. So there's this one um, group called Soul Cycle that years ago they started in New York City. It's this gym that just does spin classes. And I'd heard about this and I'm like, okay, someday I got I to gotta try this. Well, a few years ago, I was at my parents' house, and sure enough, my leg wasn't working real well. So I said, well, maybe I can go to spin class. And I found an outlet of, uh, of Soul Cycle there. And you get in there, and the room is tiny, right? And everybody is just jammed in there together. And everybody in there is beautiful, right? Everybody is, like, perfect. And instead of, of having this screen, it's just the instructor up there, the lights are super dark, and they have candles, right? And so you, you spend this 45 minutes in this dark room, and everybody's like in rhythm together. It's kind of like this worship service. Well, it was an interesting class, and for 30 bucks, I only had to pay 20 I decided, no, this did not change my life. Because people in there had the opportunity to join this club, and they go, and it costs 30 bucks each time you go. A little spendy. Now, you may have something in your life, a product or an exercise program or a diet that you are completely sold out on. And you tell other people, you have got to try this. You've got to do this. Some people do that, and they just don't stop. Like it's unrelenting and it can become kind of annoying on whatever product they're trying to sell. Now as followers of Jesus, you and I have life-changing information. And this is the life-changing information. That you and I are created by a loving God. We were not manufactured as robots, but God created us as these independent, creative, amazing human beings. And we are designed to have this relationship, this loving relationship, this vibrant relationship with our creator. Our creator didn't just send us off from a factory line and let us go. He wants to know us individually. Yet when he created us, he gave us free will. So he gave us the choice to respond in that relationship or not. 
And he set, he set up all these kind of guardrails so that within that freedom, we would stay safe. But sure enough, we chose to drive and jump right over those guardrails down that cliff. If you want to make the analogy of a relationship, it was this relationship in which God demanded fidelity, yet we had a roving eye and kept looking around and found something else. And our relationship with God, because of our action as human beings, was broken. It's called sin. Now, people have had a long history of jumping guardrails. For example, God's followers, God's chosen people in the Old Testament, the Israelites. Now, God was trying to show them the severity of their sin, the importance of their actions, and the fidelity of this relationship. So he set up this system so if the people sinned, they would have to make amends through an action. And they would have to bring a sacrifice to the temple. So something that meant something, something that cost them. So grain or some kind of livestock that was sacrificed. Now, long term, this didn't solve the brokenness. This didn't solve sin. Hebrews 10, 3 and 4 tells us those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. It's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. It's kind of like if somebody around you has this broken leg and you decide that you're going to put a Band-Aid on that broken leg. Okay, so there's this visual acknowledgement like, okay, something's wrong, but it's not going to do any kind of healing. As I said, God loves us very much and he was not satisfied with this broken relationship. He wanted to restore, to reconcile, to amend this relationship with us. And you and I as human beings were the offending party in this covenant relationship, yet God was the one who reached out to us. He initiated the reconciliation. And he did this through his son Jesus Christ on the cross. If you brought a Bible with you tonight, would you open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? If you don't have a Bible or if you're not familiar with one, there's a table of contents in the beginning that'll tell you what page 2 Corinthians 5 starts on. If you have a phone, there's a great app, um, one of them specifically called YouVersion that I love to use. We also have Bibles in front of you under the chairs. And if you don't own a Bible, we want you to steal one. All right? Take it. It's yours. Don't worry. It's coming out of Pastor Beth's salary, but it's, it's all good. It's important. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21 says this, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That sacrifice that the Old Testament and the Old Testament the Israelites had to make, those sacrifices, Jesus Christ, once and for all, he himself became that perfect sacrifice so that after that, no longer were sacrifices needed. A couple verses ahead of 21, before 21, verse 19 says, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. In this broken, fractured relationship between us and God, no longer was sin a barrier. And if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us those sins. And our sins, past, present, future, are forgiven 
through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Not through our effort. Our response is to reach back out and hold God's hand as he has initiated that reconciliation and to receive that reconciliation and to confess what we've done and to accept his unconditional love. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus like me, you've had this information for a certain amount of time. And if you're anything like me also, I bet you there's times when you're still more excited about a diet or exercise or stuff, like a blender or a phone. And we share more about that blender or the phone than we do about the eternal saving action of Jesus Christ. John 12 says, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So it brings me personally to this place where, boy, what am I supposed to do? Because I love life, right? But yeah, I, I love Jesus more, and I fully acknowledge what he has done. How do I resolve this predicament, this tension I grew up attending church. I went to a Christian school for nine years. When I graduated eighth grade, I went back and I was in the youth group and I sang in choirs and I did this thing called a handbell choir and actually one of my first jobs was actually working at this church office. So I was completely immersed in church life. But it wasn't until I took the 7,000 mile flight to Southeast Asia where it made sense. And it changed my life. I got to go on this trip to visit these full-time missionaries who were ministering to these people who actually lived on a garbage dump. 20,000, 30,000 people lived there because at least they can scavenge through the trash and find some things and exchange that and make a couple bucks a day. It's a sight and there are smells that I will never forget that stay with me. Burning trash, children running around half-clothed, young ones squatting and defecating in the middle of the street. Rancid water, just gagging reflexes from smelling the smell. And yet the thing that still stands out to me is that the group of us went over to these kids and these kids were laughing and smiling and playing as if they were on one of our local playgrounds. And they had a church service and these kids were singing and praising a good God. And this trip that I took right after high school completely wrecked me. Completely turned my life upside down. Here's this kid growing up in SoCal. Everything's fine. Grew up in a middle-class family. I had access to a car. I was going to go to college. I had indoor plumbing. We had a roof over our house. And I thought at that point, for whatever reason, that my country was the best country in the world and that I mattered more to God than anybody else until this trip. And I began to understand, in the middle of this garbage dump, God's heart for the broken, for the lost, around the world. It changed my life. And that was the beginning where I was able to start facing this predicament of loving my life, but loving Jesus as well. 
The passage I want to read to you today kind of further explains that. In the book of Acts, we meet this guy named Saul, who actually had this incredible life change as well. This guy was persecuting Christians. He was walking and making sure that they were going to die. And then he had this moment where Jesus confronted him, and he was blinded immediately. And overnight, he went from this persecutor of Christians to this guy who went out preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and planting churches. You've heard of this couch to 5K thing where you slowly work up to a 5K, right? Saul, who changed his name. Paul was this guy who was on the couch one day, and he was running a marathon the next day. We see his story in the book of Acts, but we get some insight of his own feelings because he wrote letters to these churches that he planted, right? We get to see his feelings and his point of view from what happened. And a significant portion of the New Testament is covered with Paul's letters. And he uses those letters to stay in contact with these churches and to encourage them and to address issues. One of those churches is in a city named Corinth. He was there for a year and a half. And after he writes this letter to this town, it's a coastal town, it was a trade center, it's in modern day Greece. And in the second letter, chapter 5, verse 19, he reveals to us what our calling as followers of Jesus is. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. So my favorite understanding, the verse that changed my life was this verse, that this tension is resolved because I am an ambassador. So if you hear this word ambassador, things might come to you like, people that wear these suits and have kind of like this stash and they go to these, uh, a sash and these, they go to these stately dinners and they live overseas and it's risky and important and crazy difficult work. So I brainstormed with the Crosspoint staff this week and here's what a few things that we came up with. I think there's a few different kinds of ambassadors. First of all, you could be an unpaid spokesperson for some kind of products. You're basically a a brand ambassador, you're just this passionate owner, right? So my wife is a brand ambassador for owning a dog. If you do not own a dog, she will do everything that she can to make sure that you go get a dog. Another unpaid spokesperson is a comedian named Jim Gaffigan. In his stand-up routine, Mr. Universe, he says this, quote, I go to McDonald's. And I love the silence that follows that statement. It's like I just admitted to supporting dogfighting or something. It's fun telling other people that you go to McDonald's. They always give you that look like, oh, I didn't know I was better than you. Nobody admits to going to McDonald's. They sell 6 billion hamburgers a day, yet there's only 300 million people in our country hmm, I'm not a calculus teacher. I think everybody's lying. Has your mom ever made anything as good as a McDonald's french fry? No. 
end quote. An ambassador can also be a paid spokesperson. So somebody, an actor who's trying to, selling you, trying to sell you a reverse mortgage or an athlete trying to sell you a shoe. An, athlete or, uh, an ambassador can also be a spokesperson by circumstance, paid or unpaid. So if you're an employee of a company, you don't speak on behalf of them. By virtue of the fact that you work there, you are an ambassador of that company. You could be an unpaid spokesperson, for example, a Crosspoint Church member who has a window sticker in the back of their car. You're not up front talking, but your car and your driving speak for itself. So the spokesperson message is this. Buy this product. You have to buy this. Another kind of ambassador is a diplomat, an official representative of a country. And this is most what Paul is talking about, somebody who is sent by a king from one country to another. Now, an ambassador is somebody who represents the interests and policies of their own country. It could be somebody who negotiates treaties or trade laws. Um, They have various roles. They build mutual understanding. They protect United States citizens abroad. And I have a little bit of insider information on this, okay? I have a sister, and she has traveled the world and has worked through nonprofit arms of the government for many, many years. She currently lives in Africa. And she said this, Ideally, a United States ambassador does some of the following. This is a person who wants to partner with the other country and represents our president. And this person slowly climbs their ranks until at one point they become officially the ambassador. Ambassadors have to move frequently to different countries. That way they remain with the policies of the sending government and they don't fall too much in love with their new host country. They have knowledge of the culture, the politics, socioeconomics, hopefully some of the language, and most importantly, the ambassador demonstrates respect. And it's in this vein, my sister said, that mistakes are made. When an ambassador for the United States does not respect the country that she or he is in. Sometimes ambassadors don't have to climb the ranks. They were large campaign donors and they were rewarded by becoming an ambassador to another country. It can be very, very risky. You've heard the term ugly American. Somebody who goes to a foreign country and does things like, hey, speak English. Some of our ambassadors end up doing things like this. So this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.20, changed my life. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God, be reconciled to God. There's three main reasons why I love this verse. Number one, explains like why I love my life. I think about my sister, and she's in Ethiopia right now, and she loves the people, and she loves the food, and she gets to travel. She's falling in love with this country that she's not from. 
I love to travel. I love learning the language and trying to uh, pick up a couple words. I love the food. I love the geography, the customs of the people. I love this world. I love my house. I love, I love California. I love going to the beach. I love how close we are to Zion National Park. I love my pets, not wanting five of them. One of them's fine, but I love having a dog. I love music. I don't mind going to spin classes either. But this verse also explains to me why there's this dissonance in my life. Why the fact that we've moved so many times and we still can't find a place that feels 100% at home. The way that people drive 100 miles an hour on the freeway, weaving through the cars like nobody else's lives matter. The way that money seems to bring entitlement to certain people. Where at my former place of employment, I was told a few times, well... I pay your salary, so my kid deserves this. When I was a teacher, I student taught in Santa Maria, California. And my first teaching job was near Sacramento. And a lot of the kids that I got to work with were very poor. Many of them were were kids of migrant farm workers. And I, I got to experience this life. I got to go into their houses and see how meagerly they were living and the food and the, watch their parents work these backbreaking jobs for so many hours a day and then hear from other people, those immigrants are exploiting our country. Now, I'm not here to talk about immigration policy. There's problems both ways, but the value of their lives as these people just are here to serve us. They don't deserve what I deserve. This verse also explains to me why I feel like a stranger because value in our society seems to be how good you look or your popularity. When I end up telling people sometimes what I do for a living, it drives me crazy that it's a conversation killer and they don't want to make any more eye contact. The third reason why this verse changed my life is because it dignifies what I do. Nope, not as a pastor, but as a follower of Jesus Christ. No matter if I was teaching or if I'm in my neighborhood or I'm up on the stage, I have, we have the highest calling. Ambassadors for Jesus Christ entrusted with the most important message in the entire world Be reconciled to your creator who loves you. Now, whether or not you travel internationally or not in your profession, you and me, we are ambassadors. And our lives are the message. Ephesians 2.7 says that God can point point to us as examples of his grace and his kindness. As his ambassadors, you and I are always on. We are always being watched. This is more than just Sunday morning, Saturday night. This is what happens in our neighborhoods. This is the way that we treat the wait staff. This is the way that we behave on airplanes. And it all starts in the home. The way that we speak to those that live with us. If you're married, your spouse. If you have kids, your kids. Ambassadors for Christ starts in the home. Social media. 
I've had the opportunity for a few years to be able to hire people to interview them. And there have been a few times when we saw these amazing resumes and we checked their social media page and it was not a match. The testimony that you wrote looks nothing like your photos. Now, we are not called to be perfect human beings as ambassadors. One of the things that we say here at Crosspoint is it's okay to not be okay. Come as you are, as they said in the Vineyard Movement. We're not looking for perfection. Apologize. Ask for forgiveness. Give forgiveness to other people. It might be tough also to be an ambassador. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the very next chapter, verse 4 and 5, Paul says this, In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. So I'm going to go out there and say you're probably not going to be attacked by a mob in your life. Just guessing. But some of the things that you will face, the fact of it's, a, it's tough to be an ambassador, is that you may be mocked. You may lose money for some of the decisions that you made. You may lose friends. I want to share you five, with you five, five specifics, five essentials for your calling, for our calling as ambassadors. The first thing that we need to know is that we have to have the proper identification. Chapter 5, verse 17 says, Anybody who belongs to Christ has become a new person or a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Anybody who receives that message of reconciliation and reaches back to God, guess what? You are hired. <laughs> That's your qualification right there. Now, just like the other definition of a, a U.S. ambassador, beyond that, your role will vary greatly. If you work at Crosspoint, if you work at Toyota, if you work at the school district, if you work at the hospital, it doesn't matter. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. People are watching and listening to you. The second thing, the second essential is build a mutual understanding. You got to learn the language. And by that I mean listen to that person's worldview. If you are surrounded by people that don't know Jesus, whether they're far, far away or close, you got to hear. You got to really listen. Don't start off with your spiel. Listen to what they're saying. Over time, as you hear their, their uh, worldview, you will be able to share yours. This is witnessing. This is where I was before Jesus. This is where I am now with Jesus. This is what he's done in my life. And I encourage you also to find common ground. They may not claim Jesus as Lord, but there may be things that they say where you're like, aha, they're getting close. What they just said or the things that they do, they take their families to volunteer at the soup kitchen. That's the fingerprint of God right there. They are close. The third essential is respect. Don't be, quote-unquote, the ugly American. Philippians 2.3 says, Don't be selfish. 
Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. We have got to genuinely love those around us. We've got to genuinely love the lost. If you don't, you've got to ask God to change your heart. There's a story about this company called Numi Tea. And I'm not a tea drinker, but it's a pretty well-known brand. And it was started years ago, about 20, 25 years ago, in the Bay Area. And the brother and sister that started this company came over to the U.S. from Iraq. They ended up in uh, Cleveland. And their parents raised them there. And specifically, the brother had a terrible, terrible childhood. Because he looked different, because he sounded different, because he had different food, he was teased mercilessly. Eventually, he, got, he changed and went to a Christian school, but it didn't really change much. What a huge lost opportunity. Where were the ambassadors of Jesus Christ in his life? And the influence that he has now, it's so sad to see what could have been. The fourth essential, submission. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. We have to daily surrender our agenda to God. I thank God that we're going to go in this direction. I'd like to go in this direction. I think you've gifted me. You're moving me this way, but not my will, but yours. Surrender. And you know what? Just like an ambassador, we're going to be foreigners. We're not going to completely fit in. We're going to look different. We're going to be different. Finally, number five, passion. Just like I talked about, sometimes I'm more excited about my team or my product or stuff that I have or my upcoming vacations than I am about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to remember, we get to do this. We get to do this. We are liaisons introducing people to the living God. And we've got to be those people that say, you've got to try this. 2 Corinthians 5.11 says, we've got to work hard to persuade others. And in verse 20, it talks about pleading people to come back to God. There's great urgency. In a moment, the band's going to come up. One last story my wife and I celebrated our 26th anniversary this week, but because we didn't get a 25th anniversary last year, um, we got to celebrate this year. We, we went to Mexico. We sent our kids all over the place to people that we didn't even know. Um, it was great. No, just kidding. Um, and we spent this week. It was fantastic. You had, your only decision for the day is steak tacos, chicken tacos. Shrimp tacos, fish tacos, beach or pool, right? That's, that's kind of a nice break. One of the things that was really interesting at the hotel is that everybody that worked there would say thank you by putting their hand over their heart, as in my pleasure. 
it was hard to watch because one of our dinners, we drove a couple miles away from the resort area, and sure enough, there were some pretty beaten up places where people were living. And these people that lived there, serving very wealthy people and sometimes ugly Americans by saying, my pleasure. So every day you're on the beach and there's people walking by selling stuff, right? Buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. It's, it's constant. But I respect it. It's hard work. There was one guy that was selling stuff there who was walking with a very bad limp. And he was working, they're walking in the sand, right, for hours and hours a day. So about day three, I got to talk to him. And I bought a shirt from him, and I asked him what happened. And tried to understand. <laughs> I could have used a better interpreter, but my understanding was that he fell and really, really ravaged his knee. And now he walks with his limp. And he doesn't have the money. So I said, all right, let me, let me pray for you. So it was my pleasure to kneel down and hold his knee and pray for him. It didn't cost me anything. It's pretty simple. It may have looked a little bit silly, but what an opportunity that we have to be ambassador for Jesus Christ. The band's going to come up, and you're going to have a, a chance to respond in different ways to what God is speaking to you tonight. Maybe it's through taking communion, remembering what Jesus Christ has done for us on that cross, has paved the way to reconciliation. Through the music, respond, sing out. We also have a prayer team in the back that if something's going on in life, we would love to pray with you. Let's pray. If you're here tonight and you have never made that decision to be reconciled to God, it's so easy. He's done all the work and he's reaching his hand out right now. Be reconciled to God. He loves you so, so deeply. He doesn't promise an easy life, but he promises to walk with you in your pain. And for a lot of us tonight, we need to take that call to be his ambassadors very seriously. Maybe you feel underqualified. doesn't matter. You just have to say yes. And God will equip, equip you along the way. You are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. The highest calling in this world. With the most essential information 
in the world. Be reconciled to God. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.